everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I am your host, Kevin McGuire, and I'm happy to have you here with me talking some more Penn State football right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, October 2nd. This is episode three of our relaunch this week, and I am so proud of all the feedback that we have been getting and a lot of the compliments uh, and some of the constructive feedback that we've been getting. I really want to encourage you to continue doing that. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany, and you can also follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, and let us know what you think about the show. And of course, you can also subscribe to this podcast. It's every Monday through Friday, and it's going to show up in your iTunes Google Play, Stitcher, any podcast app that you have that you use to listen to your podcast, we're going to have this podcast available for you first thing in the morning. That's the goal. And if we don't have it up for you in the morning, check back in the afternoon because we're going to make sure you have a something to listen to on your way into work, on your way to school, on your way home for the day. At some point during the day, we're going to make sure you've got some good Penn State conversation heading your way. What do we have for you in this episode? Well, I'm glad you asked. In our first segment today, we're going to take a look at some of the nuggets and the news that have come out from the various press conferences and the Big Ten Coaches Conference call from Penn State head coach James Franklin and Purdue head coach Jeff Brom. We already touched on some of the major news as far as Purdue is concerned in yesterday's episode, but if so, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. We'll be here waiting for you. There's no rush. We're here all day. And in our second segment, we'll take a look at one of the key stats that I found that is really fueling some of the success early on for Penn State's defense. We'll see if that can be something that continues on for the Nittany Lions moving ahead. And in our third segment, instead of the mailbag today, we're going to touch on one of the more national topics that's really sweeping the nation, almost in a literal sense, as far as fair pay for play. Could it be coming to Pennsylvania anytime soon? It's definitely something I think you need to keep an eye on, and it's something that a lot of people are discussing right now, so we might as well touch on it in today's episode. Make sure you stay connected with this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Again, subscribe in all your favorite podcast platforms. Before we get started with today's episode, here's a quick reminder for how you can make some lasting memories from Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. As is usually the case early on in the week, the various schools around the Big Ten and really the co- in the country will have various press conferences for their head coaches. That A lot of the head coaches will have their press conferences on the same day that they will do conference-wide media calls or conference calls, I should say. And that's why we are going to try and touch on some of the quotes that come out from some of these press conferences when possible. And we'll try to do that as early as possible. Now, the the I think Purdue had their head coach's uh, press conference on Monday. The the Big Ten media call is typically on Tuesdays. So this might be a little bit delayed, but it's a good way to kind of continue getting ready for the game because in our Tuesday show, that's when we take our real first look at the upcoming opponent. And now Wednesdays will be a good time to kind of touch on any of the news that have come out from the various press conferences and conference calls. So that'll probably be the format moving forward. Now, like I said in yesterday's episode, when we gave our first look at Purdue, Jeff Brom said that they were going to be without some of their key playmakers. And of course, uh, Elijah Sindelar, their starting quarterback, is out for the year. That's confirmed. And the big news, uh, in addition to that, is the fact that Purdue will definitely be without their top wide receiver, Rondell Moore, who I think, uh, I don't know if there's been an update since um, in the last 24 hours, but he's definitely not going to be playing this weekend. And Jeff Brom is kind of hoping that it's not a season-ending injury. Those two guys got injured on the same play last week against Minnesota. 
When Penn State head coach James Franklin got a chance to meet with the media on Tuesday, of course, this was one of the topics that came up to him. And from his standpoint, he would actually have preferred if Rondell Moore was able to play. And I know that sounds crazy because a head coach really does want to win at all costs. So maybe it's one of those things that coaches say because they want to see their guys go up against the best possible competition. And going up against Rondell Moore is certainly going to be a big challenge for any defensive secondary, any cornerback, any safety. They're going to have their hands full trying to contain him. And that's probably the best way to explain it because you're not going to stop Rondell Moore. You can only hope that you're going to be able to contain him and prevent him from making big plays. Just ask Ohio State how dangerous he is. He was a huge factor in Purdue's big upset against Ohio State last year. Now, obviously, you feel like you want to have your guys be challenged and see how they perform. And hopefully, you've prepared your guys so they're able to pull off that accomplishment against some tougher competition. So it would have been pretty interesting to see how Penn State would have played against Rondell Moore, supposing he was healthy. But with that being the case, you know this is automatically a big advantage for a Penn State defense that has already been kind of finding their mojo. And again, we're going to talk about that defense in a little bit. But I can understand why James Franklin would say that he would almost prefer that Rondell Moore is playing. But of course, he he, he'll take a game without Rondell Moore lining up against his guys uh, in uh, the Penn State secondary. So uh, that's a nice little advantage. Now, of course, uh, you know Purdue is going to have their hands full with that defense, and that was one of the things that Jeff Brom uh, readily admitted. And he says that you know Penn State's defense is very aggressive, as we all know from watching them. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of hands full on that offensive line, just kind of keeping off the pressure for their backup quarterback. Uh, here's one thing that Jeff Brom said. Well, when talking about Penn State's defense, well, they're a very efficient football team right now. I think it starts with their defense. When you shut teams out, when you have some of the personnel that they have, when you look across the board at where they are at, then you watch them on video, man, they play hard, they go hard, they attack. Here's a little bit more of what he said. They do a lot of things on defense. They are very aggressive. They get penetration. The linebackers can run and hit and tackle. And the secondary does an outstanding job. I think that's their strength. And on offense, they do have a couple good young receivers. The quarterback is playing efficient. The line is doing a very good job. They're taking care of the football. They move the chains and get it to their playmakers. And they have just kind of executed. I think a combination of those things have helped them play at a very high point. To, uh, very high level to this point. And I readily agree with that. This is me talking now. <laughs> Jeff Brown's no dummy. He knows that his team is going to be facing a, a very good and confident team right now. And I think that's the biggest thing you can take away from that Maryland game going back to last week. It was a well-rounded game and a solid performance on offense and defense. Uh, there was no real shortage of playmakers uh, on Penn State last week against Maryland. And that needs to carry over as they continue on in Big Ten play with a game that they are a massive favorite in. So this is going to be tough for Purdue. And it's going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be tough even with Rondell Moore on the field. But obviously that's no longer going to be the case. So we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, One thing that uh, Penn State head coach James Franklin did note is that they are possibly... uh, changing a couple of redshirt ideas for a couple of players. And again, there wasn't really a whole lot of note that came out of this press conference from Franklin today, but he did say that linebacker Lance Dixon and offensive tackle Caden Wallace are going to be uh, removed from green light to yellow light as far as their red shirt eligibility. 
Uh, and of course, that redshirt eligibility rule was changed last year. So you can play in up to four games before it costs you a season of your eligibility. So that's one thing that a lot of uh, programs are dealing with right now. If you've taken a look at some of the headlines coming out around the country, you know th- this is the time of year when players make some decisions about entering the transfer portal. And I sort of alluded to that as a possibility in yesterday's episode, it, just to keep an eye on, you know, now that we're at that point in the year where uh, four games have been played, five games have been played around the country, uh, this is a, an interesting time for the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, it's not exactly how the NCA intended the rule to be used, uh, but that's another topic for another day. All right, guys, coming up in our second segment, I'm going to touch on one of the key stats that I've been tracking as far as this Penn State defense is concerned. And I think it's one of the big reasons why they're going to be in a lot of games this year and they're going to have a lot of advantages if they can continue that trend. I'll tell you what it is after this word from our sponsors. You're listening to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I'm Kevin McGuire, your host. Make sure you follow us along on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. All right, we're back, and now it is time to dig into the numbers and talk about some stats. And I promise we're not going to go heavy on the analytics. As much as I appreciate and respect and try to check out the different kind of numbers that are out there that maybe weren't being tracked 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even further throughout the course of 150 years of college football. But I do like to throw out some stats that I enjoy watching from time to time and this is one that I particularly have enjoyed following the last couple of years now I'm all about red zone efficiency and what I mean by that is not necessarily how many times you score inside the red zone or how many times your opponent scores within the red zone but really how much do you maximize your trips inside the red zone and what I mean by that is red zone touchdown efficiency I it goes without saying when you get in the red zone you leave with a field goal it's kind of a letdown so you want to maximize your scoring potential every time you get inside the opponent's 20 yard line or on the other hand you want to make sure that your opponent leaves with as few points as possible if you can hold them to a field goal great if you can somehow manage to have them leave with zero points on the board that's even better and sometimes that comes down to special teams making a mistake uh, with a uh, with field goal kicker uh, kicking it off the the goal post or just sailing it left or right of the the goal post sometimes luck comes into it and there's no question about that but if you can prevent your team from or prevent the other team from getting in the end zone that's always going to be huge and that's the the signature of some of the best defenses in the country now Say what you will about Penn State's level of competition to this point of the season. It's still very early on. There's only been four games played by Penn State. But the red zone touchdown efficiency on defense has been pretty darn good. They have given up just three touchdowns inside the red zone this season. And when you look at the list of the schools that have only given up three or fewer touchdowns in the red zone, um, there's some pretty decent company here. And I'm going to go through the list right now. Missouri, Georgia, Oregon, and Iowa have all given up two red zone zone touchdowns uh, on fewer than 10 uh, trips allowed by their opponent. So those teams are even doing better when it comes to red zone defense. Uh, Iowa actually has given up two touchdowns on three red zone opponent trips. So, you know, maybe their touchdown efficiency isn't that great, but they are still not giving up a whole lot inside the red zone uh, so far this season. Uh, like I said, Penn State has given up three red zone touchdowns this season, and they are joined by, actually, Florida has given up three, 
Ohio State, three, Navy, three, San Diego State, and Tulsa, and Boise State. Okay, that's actually not bad company, especially for all the accolades that Ohio State is getting. Penn State has given up just as many red zone touchdowns. And to, on top of that, I should note that Penn State has allowed eight red zone trips by their opponent, and Ohio State has allowed 13. Um, so, yeah, they've given up the same number of touchdowns. Ohio State has had more opponent red zone trips. So, you know, make that what you will. You know, Penn State is giving up fewer red zone trips, but Ohio State's giving up a, a lower rate of red zone touchdowns. You know, it all it all is pretty even at, so far at this point in the season. But that's why I say it is essential that if their opponent gets inside the red zone, make sure that they don't leave. So if you t convert the, uh, the numbers to the percentage of touchdowns given up inside the red zone, where does Penn State rank? Well, Penn State ranks 8th overall in the nation. They've given up a touchdown on 37.5% of their red zone opponent trips. Uh, hopefully I'm making some sense here. Uh, by the comparison, Oregon leads the nation, giving up touchdowns on 22.2% of red zone trips by their opponents. They've given up two touchdowns in nine red zone trips by their opponent. So why is this important? Well, let's go back to last year and look at the numbers, same categories from last year. Penn State was sixth in the Big Ten in red zone conversions allowed for touchdowns. They gave up a touchdown on 58.3% of the opponent's red zone trips. That was 21 touchdowns on 36 red zone trips. Not a particularly great number. But by the comparison, Michigan State led the Big Ten, giving up touchdowns on 40% of their red zone opponent trips. That's 12 touchdowns in 30 red zone trips. Northwestern, who played for the Big Ten Championship last year, was second in the Big Ten, giving up a touchdown on 46.6% of their opponent's red zone trips. Uh, Wisconsin, who is one of the best defenses in the Big Ten right now, they were third in the Big Ten last year, uh, followed by Purdue, actually, ironically, and, and Maryland, again, ironically. Let's even go back a little bit further. What about the 2017 season? Penn State was fifth in the Big Ten. They gave up a touchdown on 56.2% of the opponent's red zone trips. That was 18 touchdowns in 32 red zone trips. How about 2016? Penn State didn't fare so well. They gave up touchdowns on 29 of their 48 opponent red zone trips. That's 60.42% of the time they were giving up touchdowns when the opponent got in the red zone. And again, it's still very early in the season and the competition is going to get better. But right now, Penn State's only given up a touchdown inside the red zone 37.5% of the time. That is a drastic improvement, and that's an area where if they can really continue that moving forward, they're going to be in excellent shape coming down the stretch of the season when they have to play Ohio State in the next to last game of the regular season. Uh, of course, they'll be playing Michigan. They'll be playing Iowa. They'll be playing Michigan State. If they can continue that trend with that red zone defense, they're going to be in really good shape moving forward into the postseason. Let's take one last break and we'll come back and I'm going to touch on one of the more national subjects that's going on right now around the sport of college football and beyond. That is fair pay for play. It is sweeping the nation right now. So we'll talk about it a little bit on the other side. We'll see if it's going to be an issue for Pennsylvania. Spoiler alert, it just might be at some point very soon. This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. And this is part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, number one for local daily sports podcasts. 
All right, so the last segment of the show, in the last couple of episodes, we have used this space to serve as our mailbag segment. However, today, due to also a lack of mailbag questions, I wanted to touch on one of the more national subjects in college football, and I think that's something we'll implement into the show as well. At least once during the week, we'll touch on one of the more national subjects and see how it relates back to where Penn State fits in. And this week, the big story seems to be the fair pay for play bill that has been approved and passed through and signed off by the governor in California, uh, where student athletes in the state of California will now be eligible to receive compensation for the use of their likeness, the use of their name uh, for endorsement purposes. And that's basically the the gist of the bill that has been passed into law in the state of California. And that is the crux of what is the foundation for a lot of the similar bills that are being submitted now in other state legislatures, one in South Carolina, one in New York. Uh, there was one that was just submitted in Florida. I think there's a couple versions in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. And this is going to be something that continues to to spread throughout the different states because it's become a little bit of a political point. And we're not going to talk about politics too much on this podcast. I promise you that. However, this is an important issue because it is someone that has some serious ramifications. I don't know if that's really the right word I want to use, but it is. it has a direct impact on the current state of collegiate athletics. Now, the NCAA, of course, has been spinning as much of the narrative as they possibly can try in suggesting that these kind of uh, bills and laws are going to ruin the sanctimony of uh, the student-athlete. And for you guys who haven't been following me along, I need you to, guys, I need you to know one thing. I am all for whatever is best for the student athlete. I'm all for free transfers. I'm all for allowing them to choose what school they want to go to as long as they're eligible to, to, to gain admittance to a different university when they transfer. I'm all for letting these players get paid for the use of their likeness or their name, endorsements, whatever. I think it is fair game. Uh, I think the days of the principles of the NCAA model have long been passed. The game has evolved. The sports have evolved. The, the exposure that these sports have has significantly evolved. And the NCAA has not. So they've been standing pat on their foundation and their, their principles for a very long time. And while I do agree that there are some some good things that the NCAA stands for. I, as much as I criticize them, I do think that they have a place in all of this. I just think that the leadership in place at the NCAA is not capable of expanding their brains enough to allow for a more modern take on what the student athlete truly is. You know, look at all the money that is being made out there. And I'm not saying the NCAA and the schools need to be paying the players, although I'm not opposed to that. I do think that uh, they should be allowed, the, the student athletes should be allowed to go out and market themselves because we all know the, the stars in the game are certainly being marketed and they're just not getting, being able to profit from it directly. Um there are so many different arguments that can be had both ways here. But this is where I stand on this. I really do feel that it is fair game for a student athlete who's putting in the time, uh, whether they're on scholarship or not, they're putting in time 
to represent the university. And yes, there is a lot of benefits to being on a scholarship and there's a lot that goes with that. But compared to the market size of the, the, the reach that these universities and these conferences have with these national television networks that have just ballooned over the last decade or so, there it's time for some of that revenue to go back to the student athlete in some way. And again, I'm not saying that Penn State needs to be paying their players directly on top of what they get from a scholarship. I'm not saying that the Big Ten needs to be issuing paychecks to every football player and basketball player and fencing player and volleyball player in the Big Ten. But I do think that there needs to be some discussion, some open discussion about how to address the changing landscape of collegiate sports. And I think by having state governments get involved and start to force the game to be changed, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily on board with the idea of having to rely on the states to intervene, but I'm glad that they are. That's just my personal belief. I'm glad that somebody is forcing something to change. And you're already seeing this become a much bigger political issue. You've seen some presidential candidates out there that are hopping on this bandwagon and say, pay the student athletes. I'm not saying they need to be paid by the school or the conference, but I would, I'm entirely open to them being eligible to receive uh, an endorsement deal for a local car dealer or a local grocery store or a local diner or McDonald's. <laughs> you know, I don't care if it's a big corporate company that is has nationwide chains all over the place or if it's just a mom and pop shop in your college town. I'm okay with these players finding ways to compens- get compensated for their their appearance, their name, their likeness. So that's why I'm glad that this bill has finally been passed and signed off into law. And you've already seen the NCAA is already being forced to backpedal a little bit and say, okay, well, we'll try to uh, and uh, see what we can do. I'm very curious to see how that all plays out. And like I said, we have the similar bills being submitted in other states like South Carolina, New York, uh, Florida. I guarantee you we're going to be seeing this in other states like North Carolina, Texas, if it goes to Alabama, oh my goodness, here we go. Uh, Ohio, I'm sure, is going to be in the mix too. So uh, by the time you listen to this, there may be another state or two that have submitted similar legislations into their state assemblies. So uh, the big question is, is it going to be coming to Pennsylvania anytime soon? Of course, that would impact schools like Penn State, Pittsburgh, Temple, uh, the Ivy League uh, contingent with Penn. And you know, I don't know how deep it would really go into the Division II or whatever, but there are a lot of schools in Pennsylvania. Villanova, uh, certainly certainly basketball for Villanova. Uh, this is, a, this is a something that is going to be discussed, I think, very heavily in the very near future in the state of Pennsylvania. So definitely want to be keeping an eye on this. And I think... Uh, you know, as far as that's concerned, we'll table that discussion for another time because we will discuss it, I'm sure, when that time does come. But I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions Podcast. I am so happy that you guys have been giving me a chance to you know, talk some Penn State football with you guys this week. And we, I'm very much looking forward to the next couple of episodes and continuing on as we continue throughout the season. We do this every Monday through Friday. I'm going to try and have these podcasts up for you first thing in the morning. The last couple of episodes have uploaded right at midnight. So if you're up late at night, 
and you want to get your Penn State football fix, it's going to be there for you right around midnight Eastern time. And it'll definitely be there, of course, for you in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, whenever you want to get a chance to listen to it. And of course, these episodes are all archived, so you can go back and listen to them at any time. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. What else is out there, guys? Let me know, and I'll try to include that as well. I don't know if we're on Spotify yet, but we're going to see if we can get that going. You can also listen to this in your Amazon Alexa, I think. So check that out. Give that a try. See if that works out for you. You can also follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNitney. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at KevinOnCFB. And when you do, make sure you send me a message or send the podcast Twitter account a message. Let me know that you listened to this episode and maybe we'll test you at some point in the future to see if you actually have been listening and you are following. So in tomorrow's episode, on our Thursday episode, we'll take a look around the Big Ten this weekend and see what's on tap as we get ready for homecoming weekend with Penn State and Purdue. Of course, we'll be talking more about that game. But let's also skip around the Big Ten and see what else is on tap for this weekend. And then over on our Friday episode, Friday is going to be our, our last preview episode for this upcoming game this weekend. So that's going to do it for this episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. And until tomorrow, have a great day. I'll talk to you then.